Hello and welcome everybody to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. It's Aurelien. I have a course, link in the show notes. I'm here with Glenn, glennsutherland.com, who has a course as well and a mastermind, and Darcy, darcywhite.ca, whose thoughts you can um, find on his uh, blog and website. And today we will be discussing, um, we will be comparing single family and multifamily and start by Okay, asking ourselves, why single family over multifamily? I'm happy to get started. I have some multi single families in my portfolio. And the question is, okay, what is the online strategy? Uh, you can create a portfolio of uh, houses using the birth strategy. You buy the first one. Uh, it needs rehab, so you rehab it. Uh, put tenants at uh, at market rents and then uh, and then you refinance and you use the proceeds as a down payment for your next property uh, your next rehab project and i know people who have accumulated sizable like a couple hundred million dollars of single family portfolios and and there are large large reits out there that have done that I find from experience with the properties in my portfolio they typically require less maintenance the tenants take care of the uh, snow, the lawn care, and and, and smaller re re repairs. So that's uh, that's one of the good things. Uh, it's easier to understand, you know. You don't, uh, but don't forget to have a line of capex, capital expenditure, including that includes the roof and the boiler or the heating system, you know, because these are major items that can um, that can eat up your cash flow, your annual cash flow. Uh, so, so try to be mindful of this when you, when you do your numbers, um, and, and compared to a multifamily, you know, in multifamily, you're really in charge of uh, everything. Uh, the tenants turn to you when, when there are issues, they turn to the landlord, they expect the landlord to fix everything for them. And lastly, uh, those houses can be more liquid. Let's say, you know, you have... Uh, you you run into a cash issue. Uh, you can you can sell a house more easily. There is a bigger pool of buyers than uh, than multifamily. Um, but don't forget, you know, anytime you do a transaction in real estate, you know there is a there is a cost to do transactions. Uh, when you sell, there are there are costs involved. If you've depreciated, you need to recapture, and uh, and you need to pay um, a, a real estate agent if you if you use a real estate agent among other fees. So this is my take on why single families over multifamily. Well, you touched on a good point there with the just more people to sell to. Um, like when you're selling a multifamily, you're selling to another investor. Like if you have a single family, it could be investor, it could be a homeowner. There's just there's just a few like there's way more homeowners than are there are investors out there. Um, you can go go to like your you know kids hockey practice and ask how many are investors and how many own homes. You're gonna see the numbers staggeringly much higher. For the the so you have a lot more buyers to this, right? Um, you're also uh, depending on uh, you know compared to doing a multifamily, it is something that you could handle with a lot fewer partners or no partners at all. Um, some people aren't interested in working with somebody else, or they're not interested in, or they're scared to go build a huge network and work with a whole pile of investors to start in order to be able to accomplish this larger goal. So just having doing this with the one person, it could be possible, right? To go do a single family home. You just need the deposit for the, the mortgage off the start. 
Um, so it, what it does make is a lot more attainable, right? It's not as big of a hurdle. It's not as terrifying because you don't need as many people. Um, you're not having to figure out securities laws. You're not fig having to figure out uh, what's legal for everyone. Honestly, it's just not legal to advertise if you're doing single family homes. Let's just put that right on the table that way. Um, so, uh, but anyway, it, it's, uh, it's it's much more attainable. Um, mm -hmm. Ari, I've kind of a lot of the same points, but I have a few extras, but the... Uh, this the timelines, right? To be able to refinance in six months, like you're not, if you compared to like a hundred unit building, it might take you a couple of years to get into all these units uh, for turnovers and moving people around. Um, whereas, you know, you could vacate this property and renovate it and be done. Six months in, out, flip, six months, refinance, like Bart Ari was talking about. Uh, and so the timelines typically are a lot sooner, are a lot shorter and means that your paydays could be a lot sooner than waiting yep. for a longer period of time. Uh, typically, it won't be as much as doing uh, a massive, uh, you know, 100 unit, 200 unit building, but you're going to get it a lot sooner, right? You should anyway, uh, ideally be getting this a lot sooner. Um, we talk about exit strategies, creative strategies. Um, this there's there's so many more options uh, and so many more you know because you're buying could be buying from homeowners you could be buying from investors um, there's you know lease options if you wanted to yeah. buy this you could take this back you could treat them as a homeowner you could take the expenses off your plate right put push as much of this onto the tenant buyer as possible right you can put you know the property taxes you can put all the snow removal all the utilities uh, all the maintenance everything onto the tenants, right? So you can pull a lot of stuff off of your own balance sheet. Um, it doesn't affect it the same way as, you know, in a multifamily with the, you know, your net operating income, but it, you can pull a lot of this off to make your, to improve your cash flow a lot. Um, lots of contract, uh, creative ways to sell, you know, contracts for deeds, seller financing. I do know that a lot of this stuff can be used in, um, in, in the large multifamily as well, but it's more common in the single family space like there you still can negotiate um uh you know land contracts and stuff on on larger um buildings as well but there is there's a lot more creative uh subject to um it's a little bit less complicated to do a subject to in, inherit a loan uh rather than um what's it called multifamily where you have an assignable loan right so then you have to meet the requirements requalify re possibly for that note sometimes there's a fee to pay when you transfer the mortgage from one person mm -hmm. to the other um so it's just it's a little bit simpler um for some of the strategies compared to that right um yep. like we said you're when you're buying and selling you're typically not always but you're typically dealing with a less uh sophisticated seller or buyer on the other side um, you know, it's, it, it could be just a homeowner. It could be an investor who just bought a property, rented it at bought at market value. Like th there is the potential for it to be a lot less sophisticated, um, buyer. Um, the fees to do this are going to be substantially lower. The kind of corporations you're setting up, uh, you're not dealing with a securities att attorney, um, when you're buying these. So your fee structure is going to be a lot less, um, for setting this up. So the overhead and, you know, basically the, you know, the, the limiting beliefs that will stop you and the money that will stop you is less in your way in these properties or in this possibly in these properties. Um, typically, the purchase price is lower. Um, yeah. Not necessarily per, not per year, necessarily per unit, though. A house <laughs> compared to a unit, a unit is typically cheaper, right? Yeah. Um, but um, typically, 
it depends how you want to compare this. Whenever I always hear these arguments, I always would prefer to compare like a 10 unit building to 10 houses or a 10 mm. unit building to five houses or something like that in the same price point rather than because a lot of people will do the economies of scale and they compare one house to a 20 unit building. And it's not really a fair comparison. So you got to almost throw a few houses in there, but there will be, you will have that um, same. When we talk about the multifamily, we'll go down that path a little bit more, but yeah. purchase prices are, are typically lower, um, less regulations. Um, and the way that the properties are valued is completely different. Um, so your, your value of this property is based on comparables rather than the operating income that's, being generated from the properties yep. you're not being created like a business so if you're basing it on comps there could be advantages to you know there's some houses that just sold down the neighbor down the road that you could be able to comp out with um it, it does uh you can do the same argument the other way though too with the multifamily that you don't have to comp out against those houses you just have to make them perform right so yep. you can go both ways with this you're at the mercy of comps anyway whenever you're doing the the single family sort of, uh, yeah, thing. Yeah. And then, so the caution there is don't overbuild because then you have no comparables and you can't find a valuation. That happens over, all the time. Those people overbuild for your neighborhood. Goes, they buy, yeah. they build, and they're, they build something that's now worth twice as much as everything in the neighborhood, right? Um, if you're, if you're going to do something like that with a multifamily, it would be a little bit different where if you could move the rents up to make that work, then it can make it work, right? Whereas single family, you're in a tough situation, right? So you're probably going to have to, even those people are going to have to sell creatively, right? Um, one other thing is that people, everyone assumes that they can do this. Uh, so it could be an opportunity as well. Um, you get a lot of people who have jumped into uh, being in real estate investors who have not taken any courses, who've not done education with even listening to podcasts. So there could be um, opportunities um, from less sophisticated investors, right? Um, and people who bought with terrible numbers. Um, but the other side of that coin is too, um, when you're trying to buy some of these properties, there's so much competition. The, the competition is more. If you were trying to buy a single family home off of the MLS, you're competing against all of those homeowners as well, right? You're, there's much more competition. So it really leads you down the path to find the good deals. You're a lot of times you're moving to off market than just yeah. the easy way. Do you have any more of those, Darcy? I kind of had to. Yeah, just two that I would add, just that your last thought there, which is, you know, for me, looking from my side of the fence onto what Glenn's doing. And remember, listeners, Glenn's doing 30 of these a year for several years. So he knows, or two, they've, this is what they've done, yeah. uh, buying and selling flip single family homes. I did a few of that early on, uh, a few of those early on, and then moved quickly to Mobi-Res. Um, from my side of the fence, looking into this, he's absolutely right. There's tons of competition. That does mean you've got near liquidity. Real estate's not liquid, but you've got, you know, in our category, that's the nearest you got to liquidity. You could unload it in a month or two, right? Yeah, it's reasonable. Whereas uh, buying a multi-res, just doing all your due diligence and finding it and looking at it, you can expect it. These things might sit on the, on the market for a year, a year and a half you're looking at a very small pool of investors. Some of them are um, REITs or large institutional investors. They're buying a lot, but they are all low-balling. So if you're selling your 21-unit apartment in East um, Edmonton, you might sit for two and a half years. I've seen pictures that are three or four years old. They have snow on the ground. Uh, you know, they don't change them. Um, it's, they're, really, they're really old because they've been sitting a while. You can't expect to move them unless it's a fire sale. 
and then you're going to take a loss. So to have a market sale and, and gain liquidity is really challenging. Um, that's what single family homes offer. I would add one other thing to it. You know, many of you might listening might be part of some sort of a partnership, whether it's a, um, a relational one or a spousal or, a, you know, a near spousal or something like that. Pardon my antique language. But <laughs> in my relationship, my wife, Karen, is my primary partner. Our business is very complex. She's a very smart person. She has multiple degrees, but she has low interest in managing the complexities, the legal and uh, statute complexities of a multi-residential apartment building business. So my primary partner is a very capable person, but not interested and not capable of managing my business or our business if I were to die suddenly. Amount of complexity in that neighborhood or in that kind of an investment is significant. I spend parts of every week with accountants, lawyers, um, you know, at, at that level of things. From every single thing, your your single family home that you're renting does not require a business license. You do not re require a backflow testing annual. You don't require boiler um, inspections and vessel inspections every year. There's just a level of things that you have to go through, your insurance, inspections, phase one environmental audits, um, building condition reports and reserves. That just the level of complexity and the number of check boxes that you have to do. Um, every quarter in Saskatoon, you have to check your smoke detectors. You've got more than three units. Um, the level of bank reporting because of the nature of your commercial mortgage. You have quarterly bank reporting. Um, it's just not the same. You buy a house, it's more, it's closer to, I'm not going to say it is, but it's closer to set it and forget it than not. It is, so on the complexity scale, it is way down there. It is a great entry point into this business. And what I would recommend for most people, that's where you should start. Your um, management costs, your um, expenses, management expenses are largely carried by the, the resident or the tenant. Um, you could expect management costs less than 10, 15%. Whereas me, if I could get mine below 40, I'm ecstatic. But I'm like carrying costs, right? 43, 47% of every dollar on all of those kind of costs um, of utilities and management and stuff. So it's just a much simpler and cleaner um, thing. Now, if you have 100 single family homes, you have a very complex business with relatively simple elements. But overall, that's a complex business. Don't fool yourself. It's not easy and you're going to have to work your butt off. But one thing we didn't touch about Darcy is think yeah. about your last, I believe it's your last investment. There might be one in there, but your, your condo, your yeah. last purchase. Um, it is a investment property. Um, yeah. There is in some kinds of real estate for single family, there could be a vacation element. There could be a personal element yeah. that a lot of times that multifamily either isn't, you know, you probably wouldn't vacation in an apartment building. You could, right? No, um, could, but that'd be weird. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. And there are statute problems with that too now with the vacant home tax um, and registering your, your properties for the vacant home tax in BC that, and Nash federally, that's, that's a thing now. If you have a vacation property that's in one of these zones or another property, um, it may be subject to that 1% per year of value, of assessed value. That's a high, high tax. That's a punishingly high tax. How how think, how occupied does it have to be? How often? Um, <clears throat> still working it out. Yeah. Like many 
I'm just thinking like an Airbnb or a vacation rental. You might have a seasonal where there's no one really interested to to be in a certain place because it's the wrong season. Yeah, and if you qualify, if you're in that category, you're paying 1% of your assessed value per year. Like many of our federal programs, I would observe, they're hastily conceived, not really well thought out. But, you know, (laughs) that's a political conversation for another day. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But listeners, if... If you're interested in seeing the comparison, uh, next week's podcast will be on the benefits of a multifamily. Yeah, we want to do both ways. So listen to this one. Think about it. Think about your questions and think of how it may fit and fit for you. And then look at multifamily. And by multifamily, um, the banks are thinking anything more than three or four units grouped together, triplex, fourplex, fiveplex. Then you're into commercial financing. And Typically, it's over five and up to do the commercial financing. Yeah. So think about that, and then we'll come back to you next week with part two. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. It was uh, Aurelia, uh, Glenn, and Darcy, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone.